Joel. Morning, Southlands. How are you doing this morning? Good. Thank you so much for being patient with us as we took care of a little bit of family business, especially you visitors and those of you watching online. Don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to dive in. Is that okay? All right. Sounds good. So this, this morning, we're diving into our second week of our series through the book of Hebrews called Jesus is Better. Uh, I felt like last week, Alan did a fantastic job just kind of um, opening up the series and with a brief overview of the history of the book of Hebrews, um, then just a very compelling message out of the first three verses. Uh, he talked about how Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is the substance of God's nature, the sustainer of all he created, and the purifying sacrifice for our sins. And so he covered, like I said, the first three verses. So I'm gonna cover the remaining 11 verses in chapter one, and then the first verse of chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, if you could open up your Bibles, please, to Hebrews one. Um, I'm reading out of the CSB, so if your Bible is a different translation, you may not be able to follow along. Uh, or if you don't have your Bible, you could follow along on the screen. So here we go, Hebrews one, starting in verse four. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. And about the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to you, the son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. Verse 10. And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like clothing. You will roll them up, up like a cloak and they will be changed like clothing. But you are the same and your years will never end. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. Now, the writer of Hebrews is making a sharp turn in his writing um, to these Jews who have become Christians. And like I said, the, uh, I'm going to cover the next 11 verses. And these next 11 verses, he just talks a lot about angels. And I don't know about you, but for me, I, as I read this, I'm like, why in the world is he, the writer going into such detail about angels? I, I don't think there's anywhere else in scripture where there's so much detail about angels. Well, whenever we read scripture, we have to read scripture through the lenses of the original audience. And we must learn the context and the culture to which he was writing in. And so for those of you who don't know, Jewish people had this fascination with angels. And so that's why he's writing to these Jewish Christians who had converted to Christianity and talking about angels because of their fascination with angels. The Jewish people believed, uh, and these things are true, 
that angels were God's messengers, that angels played a part in giving Moses the law on Mount Sinai that Moses brought down to the Israelites. Uh, Angels were God's protectors and guardians. Just think of the seraphim and the cherubim. And angels would come, this is what the Jewish people believed, that angels would come as the army of God to save and vindicate Israel. And we know that the Bible says that Christ will return in glory and with his holy angels. But they had this overwhelming fascination with angels, and that's why the writer of Hebrews is going after that. Much of Jewish literature also demonstrated this intense focus on angels, and that's another thing another reason why they were fascinated with them. And the writer of Hebrews here, what he's trying to do is he's trying to recalibrate their thinking. He's trying to help them theologically understand that angels are awesome. Yes, they're majestic and transcendent. They are extraordinary. Angels are awesome, but they are created beings. They are created beings, and Jesus is better. Now today, I don't think many of us have a fascination with angels. I know I don't, uh, but there maybe maybe are a few of you in here who have like studied angelology or whatever it is, but I just don't think that we have the same fascination with angels today as they did back then. But we do have fascination with other things that are created, and we put our trust for those things to help us, we, put, we ask for them to protect us, and, or we ask for them to define us. And so let me just dive into a little bit of how this world, I think, is affected by created beings, but Jesus is better than all. Number one, praying to patron saints. I know maybe many of you are sitting in here today and you said, well, I don't pray to the patron saints, but there are a lot of people in this world that still do, and that they trust in the patron saints to actually help them get through life. For example, St. Christopher, they would pray to him for good luck. Or St. Joseph, you would pray to him when you need a job. Or St. Gerard, you would pray to St. Gerard for fertility. And then St. Michael, who is an angel for protection. And you're probably sitting here saying, well, that has nothing to do with me. But it does with a lot of people in this world. A lot of people. There are some people who trust in or even pray to loved ones who have died for protection. Now, for me, I I just want to make sure that you hear me correctly. I'm not dishonoring. I don't wanna dishonor any of us who have lost loved ones. For uh, those of us who have lost loved ones, we rejoice in the fact for those who have put their faith in Jesus that they're actually absent from the body now and present with the Lord worshiping Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you this, they didn't get their wings. Uh, those of you who have, lost, who, have, who have lost loved ones, they are not now your guardian angel. You don't have your loved ones looking down upon you or sitting next to you guarding you. To be honest with you, that's not biblical. At best, that is superstition. At worst, that is blasphemy. We do not have our own personal guardian angels, which are our loved ones that have died looking down upon us. And then finally, there are many people who look to the stars, right? I'm talking about the created stars, not Hollywood, the created stars to try to find their identity or try to understand who they are. Zodiac signs, right? Astrology and astronomy. Now, for those of you who don't know, tomorrow I turn 50. I know. I know I only look 49, but... 
tomorrow I turn 50. So I just did a little bit of research. I mean, obviously, for those of you who are familiar with zodiac signs, I'm an Aquarius. And so I did a little bit of research about what does the world believe? What does astrology and astronomy believe about Aquarius? So I Googled it, and I found out that my color is light blue or silver. I'll tell you what, we were driving home from Mexico yesterday and there was a light blue car going down the road and I'm like, that thing is hideous. And I know for a fact that light blue is not my color. That, light blue reminds me of tuxedos from the 80s. I was in my uncle's wedding and I wore a light blue tuxedo with light blue ruffles. Light blue is not my color. It is not coming back again. I, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Just so you know, for me as an Aquarius, I'm ruled by Uranus and Saturn. That's fantastic. I'm not sure what that means, but happy birthday to me. It says that I'm compatible to a Leo or a Sagittarius. I'm married to an Aquarius. I don't know how that's working out for me. My strengths are this, is that I'm progressive, original, independent, and a humanitarian. <laughs> Those of you who know me know that is not true. There is nothing true about that. And then finally, and this is my favorite, the best careers for me would be in art. I can't even draw a straight line. Casual anthropology. I don't even know what that is. But this one is my favorite. My career would be in rioting and looting. How is that a career? I don't know. But according to the stars, that's a career for me. Artificial intelligence or an armchair philosopher. Now with the Super Bowl coming up, I know I'm not an armchair philosopher, but I am an armchair quarterback. And so I hope I can kind of will a team to win. I'm not gonna tell you who. Huh. Okay, whatever. Now, listen, I mean, I, I do, I joke about this. I do find it funny, um, but I'll tell you what, a lot of people don't joke about this stuff. A lot of people actually look to things that are created to try to figure out who they are. Look to things that are created to help them. Look to things that are created to guard them. Look to things that are created to help bring identity to who they are instead of looking to the one who's actually created us, the creator. He will tell you who you are. Not anything created by him, but him and him alone. That's who will define you. That's who will help you. And that's who will guard you. So the first thing I wanna look at today, looking at the fact that Jesus is superior, the creator is superior, as that he's better because he is superior to angels. Angels are created beings, but we know that Jesus has always been. Jesus was at creation. It's by his very word that he spoke the, spoke the heavens and the earth uh, into creation, that he flung the stars into the earth by his very word, uh, including the angels. He spoke them into existence. Jesus sustains all of creation, including angels, by his powerful word. Jesus is superior to these awesome, majestic, transcendent, extraordinary, yet created beings. And the writer of Hebrews begins to unpack here using Old Testament scripture to help the Jewish Christians go back to the scripture that they know, 
The writer is pointing them back to the Psalms to say, this is the scripture that you know. I wanna show you how Jesus is superior to the angels by the scripture you know so well. And the first thing that he points out is this, is that Jesus is superior to angels by name, verse four. It says, so he, talking about Jesus, became superior to the angels just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. What is this name? This name is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And the writer here is quoting from the messianic psalm of Psalm 2. And Psalm 2, verse 7 says this, I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And according to Jewish thought, a, a person's name actually revealed their essential nature of who they are. And I think for us today, even in our culture, um, names are important to us. Wouldn't you agree? For example, uh, we name our kids hoping that somehow the name of our kids would fit their identity. And so my mom named me Kevin because she knew I was going to be handsome. Kevin means handsome. And so I'm still trying to reach that. I'm still trying to fit into that identity. But that's what Kevin means. We named our kid Titus, and he's trying to live out whatever that means. But we also have these names that we have inherited, and these are our surnames. And my wife is very proud of her, uh, her maiden name, which is Browning. Um, but many of us are very proud of our surnames. It's a name we inherited, just like Jesus inherited the Son of God. And we love our surnames because it helps connect us to a bigger story. It connects us to the history of our family. And when we think of our surnames, we think of the loved ones who have died. And, and we remember them. And we can rejoice for those who are absent from the body, but worshiping God now. So, so names are important to us. And oftentimes we have nicknames. I don't know about you, but I call my wife Babe. Alan calls Rennell Love. You know, we have these nicknames, Honey and stuff like that. And uh, these nicknames just are, a, are, are names of affection and closeness to a person. And uh, I love when Al and, and other people call me Kev. It just feels like, man, uh, that's a close friend to me. When I hear the name Kevin Scott, now I know I'm in trouble. But when someone says Kev, I just feel the love and affection pouring out towards me. Names are important to us as well. But here, here the writer is saying Jesus has the name that is above every, every other name. No other created being, which includes angels, has his name, the Son of God. He always has had that name. He always will have that name. He is connected to God the Father. How? As his only begotten son. That's who Jesus is. He inherited the name. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says this. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God of God the Father, amen. The name above every name, inherited from his Father above. Second point is Jesus is superior to angels in honor, verse five and six. So the next point the writer is trying to make is that Jesus, the Son of God, is worshiped by angels, created beings. His superiority over the angels causes the angels to bow down and worship him. Verse six, and let all God's angels, all of his angels 
worship him. This occurred here on earth. For those of you who are uh, familiar with the biblical narrative or the biblical story, you'll remember that angels worshiped Jesus at his incarnation. When Jesus was born here, when Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, the angels worshiped him at his birth. And Luke uh, Chapter two, verse 13 through 14 says this. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. He was worshiped by angels while he was here on earth. earth he was, he's worshiped by angels in eternity past and he's worshiped by angels for all of eternity into the future. It says this in Revelation 5, 11 through 13. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless, thousands plus thousands of thousands. They said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say blessing and honor and glory and power to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever, amen. The angels are surrounding the throne of God even now. He's sitting on the throne at the right hand of the Father, praying for us now, and the angels are surrounding him, worshiping him even now. It's a glorious thing to picture. I don't know if we ever pause long enough to picture what the angels are doing right now. They're worshiping the Son of God. He is superior to them. And then the last thing is Jesus is superior to angels in status. Jesus is superior to angels in status. And this is verse seven through 12. The writer of Hebrews is now making it clear that angels are Jesus' servants and Jesus is sovereign. It says this, he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame, quoting from Psalm 104. But then he says this, but to the son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. As the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. Your God has anointed you with the oil of joy. Don't you love that? God the Father has poured his oil upon Jesus the Son and anointed him with the oil of joy. In the beginning, Lord, you established the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. You are the same and your years will never end. And later on in Hebrews, we just read that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He sits upon his throne with a scepter in his hand, anointed, looking at the works of his hands, his eternal status gives us this beautiful picture of his brilliant sovereignty. Jesus is sovereign. His angels are his servants. Jesus is eternally enthroned. He'll be eternally enthroned forever and ever. And that is something that we need to grasp. That's something that we need to picture. That's something that we need to hold on to. His status is eternal as our sovereign king. So what we see here is Jesus is superior. He's superior to all, all of creation, whether it's the stars, whether it's the saints. He's superior to the angels in name, in honor, and in status. Jesus is superior. 
And that moves me on to my second point, which is just Hebrews 2, verse 1. It says, Jesus is better because he is the anchor that keeps us from drifting. Jesus is better because he is the anchor that keeps us from drifting. So the writer of Hebrews begins chapter 2 by saying this, for this reason, what does he mean for this reason? For everything that he just wrote about, for this reason, that he just made in chapter one, the reason that Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is the substance of God's nature. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things. Jesus is the only one who can purify us of our sins. And Jesus is superior to angels. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. Now the writer of Hebrews is shifting gears a little bit and he's using a nautical term. He's using a term of a boat drifting away. And I don't know about you, um, how many of you have been lost at sea? (laughs) Nobody. Well guess what, I have. I've been lost at sea and I don't know if my mom will remember this, but um, when I was probably about 12 or 11 or so, Uh, we used to go camping along the beaches up the coast and down into Mexico. And we were camping at this beach called Estero Beach in um, near Ensenada. And if you could bring up the picture, I just wanna show you. Estero Beach is kind of in this little peninsula. Um, See where it says Playa Estero. And, And we rented a rowboat. Me, 11 years old, my friend was 12. And his little brother was about nine, I think. And we rented this rowboat to just row in that peninsula. But what happened is we started rowing and we got caught in the current. And out past that peninsula is called All Saints Bay. And that just leads into a vast open ocean. It just leads into the Pacific Ocean. And not knowing what happened to us is as we were rowing, we got stuck in this current that took us out to sea. And we just started drifting and Ty, my my friend and myself and his brother Tim, we were absolutely terrified. We were crying, we thought we were gonna die. Out in the open sea there were waves and winds and stuff like that and our boat started taking on water and we just thought that was it, that's it, we're dead. There's nothing we could do, we're just gonna drown. But a fishing vessel saw us. I don't even know how, as we were going up and down through the waves, a fishing vessel saw us and they rescued us and our boat actually sank. Remember that, mom? I think she had to pay for that. I don't know what it cost, but that little rowboat she had to pay for. But here's the thing. When we we noticed ourselves drifting, if we would have had an anchor, we could have thrown the anchor overboard and the anchor could have stopped us in our tracks. It could have kept us into, in that peninsula where things were safe, where waters were calm. And maybe someone there could have seen us from the beach, but we didn't have an anchor. All we had was these little puny 12-year-old arms and oars that could not save us. Anchors are important. And an anchor is so important because it keeps a boat from drifting. You get into the the currents and the winds, and if you don't have an anchor, you just drift wherever. You just wander about. An anchor is important because it keeps a boat safe and secure. 
and it keeps it in a desired location and it helps control a boat during bad weather. And I think now more than ever, we find ourselves as a people sinking. We're sinking in way too much information which we have access to right at our fingertips. All of us probably have a phone in our pocket and we could access any type of information that we want. And we're sinking in too much information. We're being tossed to and fro from the storm of the last two years. It has been a storm these last two years and we're being knocked all over the place. And we're drifting away into a vast and very dangerous sea by the currents of comfort, individualism, and deconstruction. The church is starting to drift. We need an anchor more than ever. And that anchor is Jesus Christ. We need the anchor that will keep us from shipwrecking our lives. And that anchor can only be found in his words. I like tattoos. I don't know if you noticed that. Love tattoos. And I have a couple tattoos that are important to me. And I have an anchor on my arm. I have a cross and an anchor. And in Latin, it says crux mihi ancora, which just means the cross is my anchor. And on my arm, I have praying hands uh, that, with the word sola fide next to it, which just means by faith alone. And I'll tell you this, when I feel my, that my life is out of control, which I have felt the last couple years, when it feels like I'm sinking, like I have felt the last couple weeks, when it feels like I'm just drifting away into this vast and dangerous ocean, I don't look to my tattoos to anchor me. I look to Jesus Christ, who is the hope for my soul. Hebrews 6 talks about how Jesus is the anchor who is the hope for our soul. When we're in despair, where do we look? Where do we go? It's not my tattoos that are gonna anchor me, although they're great, and they're incredible conversation starters. It's him and him alone, Jesus Christ, that anchors me when I am out of control. See, God has first spoken to his son. He's spoken through his son, and the most important message that we can listen to is the message that his son gives us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 7. We need to listen to what the son says. And I think for, for many of us, or some of us, that we have drifted away from the words of God. This is our anchor. This is the anchor to our souls. We must pay attention all the more to what we've heard so we will not drift away. Here's the thing with drifting, is oftentimes we get caught in a current and we don't even know it. We got caught in this current that led us out of the peninsula and we didn't even know it. And that happens to us in our own lives as well. As well. We don't even realize it's happening, but next thing you know, you're so far away from what God has planned for you that you've drifted into a vast and dangerous sea. The writer of Hebrews is warning these Jewish Christians to remember what they have heard and not drift back to something that is comfortable to them, not drift back to something that is easier for them, to actually remain anchored in Jesus Christ because that is the hope for them. Same warning is for us today. C.S. Lewis says this, if you examined 100 people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? 
profound words by C.S. Lewis. And I think people can drift away for various reasons. I'm gonna mention three currents that I think people get caught in that cause them to drift. The first one is this, the current of years. The current of years. There are people who simply drift away because they've been Christians for many, many years. They've kept up their appearances in church, but they've lost their first love. They have lost their love for Jesus. They have lost their love for his word, and they have lost the love for his church. They've lost their first love. They've just been Christians forever. And you think of kids who are born into Christian families who end up going to youth, and then once they get through youth, what happens is if they don't go to a college that helps ground them in the word of God, even for those that do go to a college that helps them do that, oftentimes they get into this college experience and they just deconstruct and drift away. Or you see college students who maybe have a, a bit of a faith in college, but then they get a job and they move away and they can't find a community to ground themselves in. They can't find a church. And so they just simply start drifting away. Or you have people who have been Christians for 30 or 40 years and they end up retiring and moving into a retirement home on the shores of Florida and start collecting seashells. And the next thing you know is that Jesus is no longer the anchor that holds them. Have you guys seen the Piper sermon about collecting seashells? You should look it up. Or maybe people get caught in the current of the familiar. Maybe when you first came to Christ, you were transformed and had, had this incredible hunger for the word of God. I know I did. This was so life-giving to me when I first got saved. But over the years, you've just become familiar with it. I've done my yearly Bible reading or I've done my devotionals for years and years and years and I've just become familiar with the truth and you no longer have a hunger for this. You've just got caught in the current of the familiar. Or maybe you've become just familiar with church life or familiar with the songs that we sing or familiar with the preacher, familiar with disappointment, familiar with offense, familiar with pain, and you just slowly drift away. Or finally, maybe you get caught in the current of busyness. I wanna say this, is that busyness comes with compromise. Busyness comes with compromise. You compromise by saying, oh, I'll just miss engage group this one week. You compromise by saying, oh no, I'll just miss one Sunday a month so I can go to brunch. You compromise by saying, no, I'll just have one kid in club sports that play on Sunday. But it's the small compromise after the small compromise after the small compromise that leads to the big compromise of you drifting fully away. You get busy with life. The one kid in club sports ends up being four. Next thing you know, you can't keep up. You're slowly drifting. For many of you, maybe it's the current of comfort or the current of fear over these last couple years. Whatever it is, whatever it is that is causing you to drift, I wanna remind you to anchor yourself in Jesus Christ. Anchor yourself in him. He is the one who is full of mercy and grace. I want you guys to do this this week. I want you to pray. 
I want you to pray for wisdom and understanding. I want you to pray for strength and faith. I want you to pray for hope, peace, and joy. But I especially want you to pray for a deep love for his word again. For this reason, we must pay careful attention to what we've heard. Dig your nose back into the word of God and be empowered by his spirit to find an anchor for your soul. Ask the Lord to increase your love for others. And this is important for us as a community. I want you to pray for courage. I want you to pray for courage for yourself. That when you notice yourself drifting, that you find a mature believer within this congregation. You find a mature believer to help anchor you back into Jesus. Wise people ask for help. Wise people ask for help. When you find yourself drifting, as you've already prayed for wisdom, connect yourself to a mature, mature believer that will help anchor you again. And then the flip side of that, pray for boldness. When you see a fellow brother or sister just starting to drift away, when you see them starting to compromise, I want you to do this, to lovingly speak the truth and love to them. Just say, brother, I see you drifting away. I see you slowly drifting into this vast and dangerous sea. Hey man, let's get together. Let's have a coffee. Let's go through a devotional together. Whatever it is, let's tuck our nose back into the word of God. Let's find Jesus again, who is the anchor for our soul. I wanna encourage us as a congregation. Pray for boldness and courage for yourself and for everyone here today. If we have the right people in the boat with us, which speaks of community, if we have the right people in the boat with us and we're anchored to Jesus Christ, man, I feel like it's smooth sailing ahead. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Before I pray, I just want to ask this. Maybe you're, you're here today and you feel like you're drifting into the currents of, of despair and your he life is, is heading to the rocky shores of destruction because of your sin, because you're living in darkness, um, just because you have no hope. I wanna ask this, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've never anchored yourself to him, today is the day. Jesus is, is by his spirit is beckoning you saying, come and anchor yourself to me and I will give you hope for your soul. Yes, Lord, I have been drifting away into the rocky shores of destruction. My life is a mess. I'm miserable right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, come and save me and rescue me. He's calling you today. He's saying, here I am. Here I am. Anchor yourself to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father and to be reconciled back to God our Father is through Jesus Christ. So if that's you today, I would love for you to come up to me after service and I would love to just chat with you and pray with you. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our anchor. We thank you that you're our hope. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we find ourselves uh, tethered to you at times. And I wanna thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that you've given us hope for our souls. I wanna thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're superior to all created beings. And we can look to you and we can worship you. And like the angels, we can give you all honor and glory. And so, Lord Jesus, today we want to anchor ourselves afresh for those of us who have been drifting away. Whatever has caused us to drift, whatever current has caused us to drift, we want to come back and anchor ourselves to you, the hope for our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>